Welcome to the Foolish Adventure Show, where guru hype is banned, lifetime value of a customer is king, and the internet business has replaced the J-O-B as the path to financial success and personal freedom. Now, here's straight talk about making a living online with your host, Tim Conley. Hey, everybody, this is Lane Amon, and you are here at another episode of the Foolish Adventure Podcast, and we are covering part two of membership management. I'm here with my co-host and trusty sidekick, Tim Conley. Tim, how you doing? Uh, what's up, Lane? So uh, I get I get relegated to sidekick this week. <laughs> yes, when I open the show, you are my sidekick. Yes, <laughs> you are my you are my Robin to uh, to uh, Howard Stern. I get to be Howard this week. <laughs> all right, all right, Howard. So no profanity in this one. I, no, I like I w- to keep my uh, non-explicit status on <laughs> iTunes. I will behave myself. <laughs> Okay, so we had a plan, right? We had a plan as to what we were going to do for part two of membership site management. And we just kind of threw that out the window and decided to let's just hit something that's really, let's go to the hard stuff. Let's talk about really difficult management stuff for managing a membership site. So what's what's on your plate that's really difficult? Well, I think content is one of the things that comes up often um, when it comes to membership sites. Just We talked in a previous episode about the different types of content and how you could um, leverage your community and, and experts to create content, but content is still this ongoing issue of how do you drip it out to your membership site? Is it enough? Is it too much? Is it good enough? How do you present it? Um, just all those issues revolving around content. Yeah, yeah, that I think that's the thing that most people just think of naturally. Like, oh, I've got a monthly membership site, so I always have to come up with content, and they focus most of their energies on content. And I think that's important because, well, it's your product. Your membership site, the content you put in it is your product, so you really do need to give it a lot of attention. And that's why we did like a whole episode on that. I think, let's see, let me pull that up. It's uh, episode 73, a Foolish Adventure episode 73, successfully using the five types of membership site content. Uh, go check that out to get an in-depth look at creating content for a site and how you can take away some of the, some of the workload from yourself. But one of the other things about content management is making sure that it's actually good quality, Keep, mm. uh, keeping a consistent or ever-improving level of quality. And I want to stress quality, not quantity. I think that's a really good point because people signed up expecting X. And just because you give them X plus Y isn't necessarily going to make them happier if Y isn't worth their time. And we did talk a little bit in that that uh, previous episode about um, ways to check your content to make sure make sure it's applicable, set a minimum um, quality level. You don't want to just give people junk content. Um, and I, I also want to talk about the idea that that more isn't always better. We, we did touch on that previously uh-huh. as well, but I think it's worth repeating here that we think giving our members more in terms of content is not necessarily what they want. In fact, sometimes that can turn them off. I've had people, not in my membership group, but in, in groups that I belong to, say they were unsubscribing because they couldn't handle the influx of content. Right, right. You can you can overpower your members with stuff, which people will think, oh, you know, if, if I just overload them, they'll, you know, that'll just be awesome. They'll think it's great. Well, usually they don't. 
Yeah. It's like when you see those sales letters with the 15 bonuses that are total $150,000 in (laughs) free bonuses. And all of a sudden you think either the original product was not worth the price it was being asked or the bonuses are junk because why would they need to pile them on there? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's something you don't uh, you definitely don't want to do. But let's talk about some actual content management then. Uh, scheduling, making sure that you schedule out your content, knowing what's coming in advance is very important. One to be able to communicate it to your members and you know, letting them know when you're going to come out with something, but also for yourself in the development cycle of your content. I've been asking some friends of mine to be guest trainers in Foolish University coming up in the new year on some topics that they're experts in and my knowledge is just in the middle of the road. So I'd rather have someone be a, a true expert on a topic, come in and talk about something than for me just to kind of wing it. So that's part of my schedule. I have to look out several months in advance to be able to make sure that I can put in, you know, great content for for my site. You know, what I found really helpful, too, is that letting people know what's coming if you're on a monthly plan can really help with the retention, too, because they want to stick around to get that new report or to hear that interview with Expert X. And oftentimes we know what's coming, but we don't do the best job of letting letting our members know what's coming. So that's a that's a, a key point there. Yeah, I do see that as a fault of mine because uh, I know what's in my head, but I, I usually forget <laughs> that, I, that no one else knows what's in my head. <laughs> and I think also what we want to do is we don't want to overpromise either because it might not be a sure thing. So there's a balance between letting people know, hey, I'm talking to so-and-so about putting together a free webinar for you all. And then if it doesn't come to fruition, it's almost like, you know, until the moving pieces are pinned down, we don't want to we don't want to share the information. So sometimes I think that's a balance, right. just giving them hints on, on what's coming and and uh, not over not showing your hand too soon, too. Right, and I think another part of scheduling for content, and I think this is my last bit on content, is since we did a whole episode. Uh, go back to that. Did we say that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did do a whole episode on content, right? <laughs> right. So. So my, my last bit is you can pre-make content. You can get it all ready. Even if you're using guest experts, you can go ahead and make the content and then dole it out over time. If you look at the way magazines work, the issue that comes out this month wasn't made last month. It was actually made a couple of months ago. At the uh, latest, it was made a couple of months ago. Making the content ahead of time is not doing a disservice to your members. And I think some people think that. Like if I if I make all this stuff ahead of time and then release it uh, over over time then then people will find that it's not as valuable. Well, no, it's it's still valuable. It's still new to your members. It's still new content. It may not be new in your mind, but it's still new content and you have to respect the value of it and your members will respect the value of it when you release it over time. I like that because I, I, I'm a person who likes to batch things and um, I, I don't want to sit down and record one video. I want to sit down and record five or ten videos and get that off the list. But sometimes I do feel a little guilty knowing it's something that, that isn't fresh but just because it's not fresh to me doesn't mean it doesn't have value and it's not fresh to my audience. So that is such a great reminder. We're used to that instant turnaround in the internet world, but uh, that reminder about magazines with that six-month lead time, that's, that's, that's reality. Right. And you Good. should, yeah, you should treat your membership site very similarly. 
Yeah, and that helps streamline and, and make sure you have enough content for people. So putting together that kind of calendar of content is really, really helpful and uh, working ahead if you have time. Exactly. That's something that's exactly. been really successful for me. Um, do you want to move on to our second topic, retention? Yes. Yes. Now, what is the industry ab- average retention for membership sites? Like three months? Is that what you've heard? Uh, okay. Uh, let, let's let, let's talk the myth of retention. <clears throat> okay. Okay. There's a lot of talk out there about three months and or four months or five. You know, it, it's always in that range, three to four months. And I think it's because a lot of people have crap sites. <laughs> They're skewing the average. <laughs> right. So so you look at especially in the internet marketing world, and that's where you're going to hear most of this is from the internet marketing world where they're saying oh it's it's an average of of three months well it's because they're they're trying to pull one over on their members and their members come in they go oh this isn't that great i'll stick around maybe next month will be better the next month isn't better and then they then they forget about it and then they realize after the third month they cancel and step out of it well those are the people who are out there telling everyone that it's three months (laughs) <laughs> uh, the the porn industry has about a three month average. I'm, remember our our explicit rating here. I'm just reminding uh, I'm, you. I'm not going <laughs> to describe the anything in porn. I'm just saying that in the porn industry, their their memberships tend to run in that three month. So so you have that that's floating out there and that's in the consciousness of people that they hear these things but it's never put into any true kind of context it's not put into anything scientific Uh, so if you look at other other industries if you were to say bring in the new york times if you were to bring in a bunch of uh, the financial papers or or financial newsletters you know they'll have they'll have members that last for years some members, uh, you know, uh, could be running on 15, 20 years. Uh, someone who has a subscription to a newspaper, they, they could have it forever. What's a newspaper again? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, but, but there are people who still get it. They, they've had a subscription to a paper. They, you know, they've had a subscription to the New York Times since they became an adult. And now it's 40 years later. That's what we're talking about. That's, that's retention there. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so if you have a product that people value and it's priced appropriately, then they are going to re- remain with you for as long as it, as long as your product remains valuable to them. They're going to remain. Mm. So, this idea of of what's the average, I, I, I think it's, I think it's a a wrong thing to think about. Mm-hmm. What you need to think about is. What is my current average? What's my current retention rate? And how do I improve that? Mm. Though that's the only thing that actually matters with retention. It doesn't matter what Joe's site over here does. It's what yours does. Right. So what are some techniques? What, what tactics can people use or strategies can people use to increase their retention rate? Well, we hinted at, at the one where you, you know, tease out what's coming next month. Mm-hmm. You know that that's a, a way to do it. You can you can prep what, what's coming, get everybody excited about what's coming next uh, the next month. That I think that's that is a an interesting technique to get people over the hump for say a monthly membership. Mm-hmm. One retention strategy that a lot of people don't realize is have a longer subscription. Mm. If you have people dropping out after three months, offer a six month subscription. 
assuming you've got good good content, but for some reason the engagement level is not high enough and you got people dropping out at three months, but your product is good. And maybe it's something that if they got to the fourth month and you, you find that the people who stayed after the, after the third month, they go on and really engage in the community inside your membership site and all that. They become true valuable customers and they get the most out of your membership site. But the ones who don't make it past three months, if you could get them over that hump, maybe that would be the thing that keeps them around and they get more out of it if they could just just get past that three month mark. So you offer a six month and try to get people into that six month membership. And then you'll find that your retention rate will probably go up dramatically. They'll, they'll probably renew for another six months. Mm-hmm. Now I have a question. I'm not sure if this will be related to retention. Feel free to push me off till the math and moolah section. Um, what do you think of trial memberships? Like the one month free, one week free, $1 first month, things like that. Uh, they usually suck. Mm-hmm. And they, the trial stuff tends to not work very well, but you have to test it. You, you really do. And, and so don't take my word for it. Don't say, oh, Tim said doing $1 memberships at trials don't work very well, so I'm not going to do it at all. <laughs> well, I tested it. I tested it this past summer. I wanted to see what would happen if I offered a $1 trial for Foolish University. I, I didn't think it would work very well. And I got a bunch of people to come in and I got a lot of people to uh, stop after the, after the one, $1 trial. I knew that <laughs> I, I knew it was going to happen though. My numbers were much better than I actually expected. The ones who re- uh, who stayed and continued being members. I was surprised at the number that I had. It was much higher than I expected. I expected most of them to drop out after the, the 14 day $1 trial Mm-hmm. And I, I had a significant percentage that stayed. And I was like, oh, so in, in a way it was a success. But I knew for a fact that a lot of people would drop out. Mm-hmm. They would just come in, pay the one buck, download everything they possibly could in, four, <laughs> in 14 days, and then, and then leave. Leave with their full hard drives. Right. And, and, ne- and never consume any of the content. Right. right? <laughs> but they got it for a dollar. Right. Exactly. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm in the business of helping people build businesses. I do it as a consultant and I do it as uh, the Foolish University uh, dean, I guess. Right? I like that. So, so I do it there. That's what I'm in the business of. I'm not in the business of filling up people's hard drives. Yeah. And and so that's that's why the the trial for me, I I wanted to test it because well, I would be a liar if I was telling people to go out and test and I didn't test myself. So, I, I tested it. I got basically what I thought I was going to get, and I thought I knew thir- certain things would happen, and they did. But I still tested it, and that's what I think people should do with with any kind of trial for for a retention thing. Try it out, see what happens, run the numbers. If it turns out to be profitable, then then keep doing it. If if it's not that profitable or it ends up being a lot more work where you're trying you have to manage a lot of people who are only going to be around for a couple of weeks, then maybe <laughs> maybe you don't want to do it at all because right. you're you're cultivating the wrong kind of customer. Right, right. One technique I've used on retention is raising the price and guaranteeing 
this is pretty common, guaranteeing that as long as you have a consecutive membership, your your membership rate will not grow, go up. So you're paying nine ninety five a month, but newcomers pay eighteen ninety five a month. And if you leave, not only are you getting this great value at a lower price now, if you leave and want to come back, you're going to have to pay the higher rate. Yeah, that's that's one way of doing it. It's like as long as you stay, you're you're going to have that that lower uh, that lower rate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, one technique I've heard, and this is my bridge comment here, <laughs> for for increasing retention is to increase the community involvement. And that actually is our third topic of conversation for um, membership uh, challenges, is that idea of, of fostering community involvement and being involved yourself in the community. But I do know I've heard it said, and I found it true in my own my own uh, membership site is that people may come for the content, but oftentimes they'll stick around because of the community. What do you think about that? Yes and no. <laughs> uh, because I think it's a an issue of survivorship. The sites that have communities and people stick around for the community because they get involved with it, well, that's because there was a community and they got involved with it. There are lots and lots of successful membership sites and subscription sites that don't have any community involvement and are hugely successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, basic magazines and newspapers. No community involvement. Right. Uh, so, so there's a lot, a lot of newsletters, a lot of all stripes. Those, those things don't have a community aspect to them. Lots of subscription stuff, no community aspect, but they are hugely successful. So I think when you hear that tale of people, they come for the content and they stay for the community, well, that's because the person runs community sites. Mm. And, and, it's a way to, and it's a way to justify what they're doing. So I, I, like, I like reality. I like knowing uh, things for a fact. And community is a great retention strategy if you're wanting to build a community as a part of your business. It's not a requirement, though. And it's not a requirement of retention. So if you're, if you're having really low retention rates, well, maybe trying a community would be helpful or maybe not. Maybe if you started a community, then you get to hear how much people hate your product. <laughs> and then you'd, be, then you'd be obligated to go and fix your product, which I think you should <laughs> do anyway. Which anyways. you should be anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, c- community, community can, be, can be an excellent retention model. But like Foolish University, I put a community in it because not for retention, but because I wanted people to get the most out of the education. Because mm-hmm. lots of people are out there selling how to make money online, how to build a business online. But very few people who are selling this, the very few of those gurus are actively engaged in helping build people's businesses. That's why right. I put a community in there so that I could be involved and I could hopefully have more success for the members. That's that's what I that's why I did it. Not because I was hoping it would keep retention, but because I was hoping it would create more success. The challenge I have with membership or the excuse me, the community involvement is I love my members. They're you know, I I consider them friends. They consider me friends, but I'm often working at a higher level, strategizing, lining up the the next big event for us, the next expert interview, the next webinar, that sort of thing. 
And having that almost daily draw to go to the message board, check in, answer questions, where for for me, for my model, it's not um, it's not an it's more of a social thing than an education thing. Um, they don't have questions on how to do something. They want to say, hey, did anybody see the sale over at such and such website? Did you guys get anything good? Where there's value to that, but to me, it becomes a distraction from what I consider my true value to them, which is to provide great content. Right. That's the tough one, because really, because we could be stepping on people's toes. Right, the people listening, like, oh, we're not, we're not saying these things to snub you. So, so I really want to be careful in the way I phrase this because I'm usually very tactless. Um, <laughs> is that what's important to your members may not actually be important to you mm-hmm. uh, in in a personal level, but it's important to your business. So, therefore, you engage in it. It does not actually have to be you. If if you're finding that you're not getting much out of your community, then either you need to change your community so that it reflects you or just step out of the way of your community and let them engage with each other, mm. which is what it's for anyways, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is yeah. a step out of the way because a, a community cannot revolve around the, com- uh, the site owner. Then it's not a community. Right. Right. And I think that's a really good point because what I've done to, to solve this, at least as a, a kind of a midterm solution, is I have someone who is my eyes and ears. She doesn't respond to anything as me, but she'll let me know if there's a thread about something that she really thinks my involvement is needed. And then I will go over and answer questions or make comments or um, interact with people then. But I don't spend time every single day um, reading every message on the message board. Instead, she does that and tells me when my involvement is necessary. And if they're just chatting about the latest sale or the newest pair of scissors they purchased, <laughs> if I have time and want to, you know, if I, I have some of that social time, then I'll go do that. But otherwise, really, I mean, I think if you ask them what's Lane's value, they would much rather have me planning their next class than chatting about product purchases. Right. What what a guy I know, um, I, I don't know if I should mention him on, on air or not, but he's in the how to make money in real estate world and he has an online community. And what he did was, since he's not actively engaged in that online community uh, and wasn't even from the beginning, uh, he had first people on his, his staff who were going in and interacting with the people on the forum. What they did over time though was that they were seeing that they were still having a hard time with retention. They found the people who stuck around the longest and were very engaged in answering people's questions. They promoted those people to moderators. And not just in a moderator status where they could come in and kind of police the community, but also that they made them community leaders. And those people ran the community. And his staff just stepped out of the way. The entire His entire company stepped out of the way, and the community is run by the people in the community. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think what you said was a, a great point about just get out of the way because the community, it shouldn't revolve around me. That's not the purpose. Right. So, 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, what, about, what other issues arise that you see with community involvement? Maybe it's a, a problem child. I haven't had this happen, but I can see this happening where somebody comes in who maybe isn't at the level of the other members and requires more handholding or attention or somehow um, sucks up more resources than, you know, that the, the uh, what did you call them? Energy suckers ba- versus battery, energy. Battery drainers. <laughs> battery drainers. Yeah. Um, what about that? What about handling something like that? I, let's let's define it first. If uh, okay. if there's somebody who's just a pain in the ass, <laughs> then then you fire them as a customer because mm. you don't want that person poisoning the rest of the community. If that's what it is, then you just get rid of them. If it's because they they are earnestly trying to learn something, even if it frustrates you to no end, they're your customer and. They have paid because they believe they're going to get these answers from you. Then it's your responsibility to find a way to get it to them. Mm-hmm. Could you continue if if you started finding that more and more of those types of people were coming in, then your marketing is wrong and your marketing message is wrong and it's attracting the wrong kind of people for what you're trying to do, then you need to change that. But if it's just one or two people who come in and and just need, a little extra well then you go the extra mile for them that's part of having a community is that it it's mm-hmm. going to take more time and if it really still bothers you as a business owner then stop doing it mm-hmm. and maybe maybe have people in the community be the ones who are in uh, are in charge of handling that or you say sorry i don't think that's this is the best place for you and give them their money back and and apologize profusely right right yeah, some of it is just good customer service. You know, some of it can be a mistake in the marketing, as we talked about in a previous episode, really targeting who you want in this community. But some of it, yeah, it's not a set and forget thing. Membership membership sites are not, in my experience, not passive income. Right, yeah. They're, they're not unless you build a management team around mm-hmm. it. And then, and that's with any business. If you, want, if you want any business to be passive income, then you build a management team around it so you can step out of the way. You don't make money passively by, how, how do I want to say this? You, you can't make uh, passive income if you're actively engaged in work. By definition, right? By definition. (laughs) So there's no way of making a business that doesn't have a management team and and still own a business and still make money and it be passive. Right. It's just not not physically possible. So yeah, let's kind of just get rid of that whole passive income idea because it's a myth in in the case of running a business. So one more retention thing i want to cover is the i miss you letter for people who are no longer customers or you know people who have canceled their membership you should try to bring them back i do a no questions asked cancellation policy and so i don't bug people when they're going to cancel i know i should do so i know i would raise my retention rates if i did I don't. People cancel. I'm like, sorry to see you go. Wish you all the best. If you come back, great. I would love to have you back. But that's it. Membership canceled. No problem. But then you should actually come back to them over time because maybe they've changed their minds, but then they just really don't feel comfortable signing back up. Mm. So you send the I miss you letter. 
I wish you were still a customer. Here's something great. If you if you join, if you sign back up, I'll either let you back in at your original price level if your price has gone up since then, or maybe you've got a bonus for them if they'll if they'll sign back up. Doing something for them, or just the fact that you admit that you miss them, that you acknowledge that they even exist. And right. if it's written well and does come off sincere, then they may go, oh, wow, you know, yeah, I really did like that. But I, at the time, I just wasn't using it very much. Maybe I'll come back. And you give them a reason to and a call to action. I miss you letters are very, very effective. You know, I have never done that. I give them um, with my annual members. I give them um, a special deal if they re-enroll before their year is up and uh, give them a lot of opportunity and reminders beforehand. But once they go, I've just let them go. I've kind of felt like I didn't want to give them a bonus for returning because I felt like for me personally, it felt like the, the, you know, somebody breaks up with you and you come back, you say, well, if you just (laughs) give me one more chance. And I just, I didn't want to do that. But um, the, just the letter saying, the email saying, hey, you know, have your circumstances changed? Do you miss us as much as we miss you? You want to come on back? I think that could be really effective. Yes. And it's something that uh, people should be running those periodically to bring back old members. Do this. Uh, you will make more money. It's, it's, a, it's a simple thing. Going back to your old customers, your previous customers, going back to them, you're going to make more money just by asking them to come back. Right. And your experiences, I mean, how, how worth it is that doing that? I just always figured if they didn't want to be there, I didn't really want them there. <laughs> but, but yeah, in, in some respect, but we don't know why they're not there. Right. Even, even if we ask them, we still yeah. don't really know because they're not going to tell us. People will, will lie to you. It, it's strange. Customers will lie to you. Prospective customers will lie to you. Uh, not because they're trying to be mean, but probably because they're trying to be nice. Yeah. They, they don't want to hurt your feelings. They don't want to, or they're trying to protect their own ego. In the make money world, uh, and this is a, is a common thing in copywriting where people will write copy saying that I can do it, you can do it, and that you have to explain how it's possible because some people may look at a sales message and say, yeah, it's okay for Tim to be able to make money uh, selling stuff online, but I couldn't do it. Mm. So you have to address that issue. Maybe you didn't address the issue. And in your world, like scrapbooking, maybe someone was having a hard time with some software. It just wasn't clicking with them. And they're like, mm. ah, you know, I'm just going to give up this whole digital scrapbooking thing. And I'm just going to go back to doing stuff with physical stuff. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they quit and they just, they, they leave. Well, maybe it was because they, they just, they felt bad and not because they weren't getting value, not because they didn't value what they were getting. It's just that they were being down on themselves and yeah. they're not going to tell you that. They're right. not going to tell you that it, it was their emotions that were getting in the way. Mm-hmm. And just for the record, both paper and digital scrapbookers are welcome at scraphappy.org. <laughs> we don't discriminate. <laughs> so if you have trouble with software, you just come on over. But All I know right. what you mean in terms of if they're having financial difficulties, um, you know, they're going through a tough time with their family. They're not going to say, well, I have to unsub now because my husband told me, you know, if, if I don't cut, he's leaving me if I, we don't cut the budget by 40% or whatever. I mean, they're not going to, that's not going to be top of, of, tongue to share with you if you ask them why they're leaving so right right 
Yeah. So, so, so those those are all things that uh, for retention. I, I, we've gone on for a while now. So, should we talk about money, or should we push it off to another episode? Hmm. I, I I think we should give them something. Okay. All right. Let's talk the math math of membership. Okay. You yeah. start us off. <laughs> How, uh, let, let's let's see if we can like make it more alliteration there. Yeah, Monthly membership money yes. math. Like there you How's go. How's that? I like that. Monthly, Monthly membership, membership member money. math. math. Uh, money. I, I can't even say it. Like say that. Say that five times fast. <laughs> that, okay. The the reason the reason it's uh, talking about membership sites is so attractive is the is this idea that you can make a make a membership site and you can make money for a very long time. Uh, what what the real math is is that. Say you're selling an individual product, something that does not have a subscription model to it, a continuity model to it, if you will. You sell that thing one time. Well, next month, you got to sell it again to make that money again. Mm -hmm. If you're selling a $100 product and you need to make $4,000 a month to pay your bills, then you've got to sell 40 of those this month and you got to sell 40 of them next month and you got to sell 40 of them again and you got to sell 40 of them again. But if you were to find a way to have a valuable membership site, one that people would be willing to pay a hundred bucks a month into the future, well, then that that's something you sell 40 now. Well, then you don't have to sell 40 next month because okay. you've got a you've got 40 people who are paying you a hundred dollars a month. I know that's that's a high number for a lot of membership sites. A lot of membership sites are not going to command a hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. But you could have all sorts of things that could command that. Depending on what you're in, say say you do a physical class where people have access to you or it's a coaching thing and you get 40 people to pay you $100 a month and it's a very hands-on kind of environment, it's still, a con- it's still continuity income. Yes, you're still working for it and it's not that passive word, <laughs> but neither is making content every month. Right. So that, that's one way of commanding a higher price. So that, I just want to address that aspect because if somebody's thinking, oh, 100 bucks a month, there's no way I'm going to get 100 bucks a month in my niche. I'm not, it's not going to happen. Well, get creative. But even if it's not, say it's $40 a month, you need 100 customers. You need 100 customers in, in a year. You need to sell to 100 customers and you've got this money coming in for a long time. If you've got a good product and you do the retention strategies, you're going to have a, an, a good steady income. Whereas if you were selling a $40 product, now you got to sell 100 of those every month right. to keep making $4,000 a month. That's the big, the big draw with membership sites. And I think it also shows a level of commitment on the buyer. It's pre-screening a group of buyers, of customers who like you enough to sign up for a monthly deal and have money and they're ready and, I mean, they, they can serve a lot of other um, um, resources for you too. I, I use mine to test fly new content, see how it goes over with people, kind of a beta group. Um, they're, you know, they talk about uh, the your true fans. These to me are my true fans, depending on how your membership site is set up and how relational and community driven it is. Um, it can be a group of people who kind of just your, your biggest cheerleaders too. Right, right. This just popped in my head. It, it's a more advanced technique related to money and membership sites. 
Uh, th this idea had been around for a while where you would sell a product and then you would get people to also buy into a continuity program. That's, mm -hmm. been, that's been around for a very long time. This one guy that I had seen a few years ago, what he did was he had first tried, okay, I'll sell a single product and then I get somebody into this, into like a 5 to $10 a month continuity program that they find valuable, but it's on the breakage model and, and I don't like that kind of business, but a lot of people run breakage model kinds of businesses, which is they, they just kind of forget about you and they, they keep paying but not using the product. So that, that happens a lot. Uh, you'll, you'll see all sorts of $5 subscription kind of things, $5 a month subscription things. Well, you, if you have a product that you can do that you can dole out over, over a 12-month period at $5 a month, if they buy your product and they return your product, they may still continue paying on, on that membership site. Which takes us to another advanced level is you sell two subscriptions. One at say $20 a month or, or $40 a month and the second one at five to $10 a month. And, and I've seen this work for several people now uh, since I had first seen that guy do it uh, several years ago and I wish I could say his name but I don't have permission to do so. <laughs> but what he did was he had that he had that one subscription because that the bigger dollar subscription only would only keep people around for about four months and no matter how hard he tried retention, he couldn't get them past the four month mark. But what he found was when he added that, lower second subscription that they paid for when they when they joined they weren't forced into it it was something that he sold them into they they chose to join the second one that they stayed in the second one so explain these two separate membership they're two separate memberships to the same membership site or are no, they completely different they're completely different but so they're give us but an they're example. related so, so give us like a cake decorating example <laughs> <laughs> or bowling you can choose <laughs> okay so so you have you have a a major a major subscription to your bowling site on how to do uh, different uh, techniques in bowling mm -hmm. and that's that's your big your big dollar item it, it costs twenty dollars a month and you you have people who are in that and you're finding that they stick around for for six to seven months but no matter what you try they don't stay longer even when you created advanced classes and they they still didn't stick around six to seven months uh, most of your customers were gone so if you then implement a like a magazine a newsletter type edition or or maybe i, I don't know I, I i don't know enough about bowling to think of some <laughs> sort of accessory like some sort of accessory that you could give them every single month like a something of the month club Mm -hmm. where they, they get that, but it only costs them five to 10 bucks and they get something sent to them in the mail. Okay. Th you could do that. You could have a, a separate newsletter type thing that you could sell along for five bucks a month. People in the physical product world, what they'll do is they'll sell a warranty and that warranty may not be monthly, but it'll be a $60 warranty or something. Instead of five dollars okay. a month, they sell you a $60 warranty or a $50 warranty on a physical product. You could technically do that. I've actually seen the the guys from uh, Beachbody that do P90X. Uh -huh. They sell a warranty on the discs. So you can buy a, a <laughs> replacement warranty for the discs. So if they get all scratched up, you can contact them and they'll send you another disc. Sending you another disc costs them like a dollar. Right. Uh, but they, they get you to spend, I, I can't remember how much it was, but they, they get you to spend significantly more than that. 
Okay. That's a way to add a secondary subscription to okay. to your uh, to your memberships, so that you're able to increase not, not only increase your current money, but increase the the lifetime value of a customer because they may not cancel the lower level um, membership. Okay. So, for instance, you could have a membership where, like, to use the bowling analogy again, you pay $20 a month and you get access to this membership site and you get, um, you also get um, attendance at these monthly webinars where Pete Weber, I don't even know if he's alive anymore, he's the only professional bowler I could think of, <laughs> talks about his bowling secrets. And then if you pay an additional $5 a month, you're going to get a CD, an audio CD of the monthly interviews. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay. and it'd be like, of, of all different professionals or something. Right. And that, that would be a separate, a separate one. And right. that's, so they, maybe they cancel the, the higher level one, but then they keep, they'll keep the lower level one. So it's like an upsell at the original sale that they can add on to the original membership, but they don't have to have the original membership. So they could cancel the higher price membership and maintain the lower price. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. I like that idea. I can see why it's advanced because it took me a little bit of time there to to, <laughs> to get it, but I think I got it now. I like that. Yeah. I, I think we've gone on pretty long here, yes. so uh, maybe we can do a part three that goes into more into more of the money stuff, but uh, we'll, we'll see about that one. Okay. Maybe there will be a part three to membership site <laughs> management. Maybe. We're, we're, we're increasing our retention rates. <laughs> right, right. For listening to the show. But not over promising. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I like it. So we talked about uh, some of our challenges, membership management, just to recap content, retention, community involvement, touched a bit on the money, as well as provided some advanced strategies for those of you who maybe already have a membership site and want to look at how you can increase your um, lifetime value of your your customers. So I think we, we got a lot in. Yes. Yes, we did. So hopefully people were not overwhelmed with that and they still got a lot of value from it. And until the next time, enjoy your foolish adventure. You've just listened to the Foolish Adventure Show with Tim Conley. To get more straight talk about making money online and building a successful internet business, go to foolishadventure.com. There, you can opt into the Freedom File newsletter. You'll also get access to the Foolish Guide to Launching Products video training module. Over an hour and 20 minutes of business building knowledge that can generate tens of thousands of dollars for your new product. Enjoy your foolish adventure.